And if you've got a root canal that needs happening, you'll find the money to get the dental examination, right? Like even if you've got to sell a kidney. That's my encouragement. It's like find that point where you're like, you know what, I had enough of this. And the people that have gone through the most amount of pain end up being the most successful in their healing journey, in my personal experience. Welcome to another episode of Success Through Failure, the show for successful people and for those who want to become successful, the only show that reveals the true nature of success. This is your host, Jim Harshaw Jr., and today I bring you Laban Ditchburn. Laban is one of those people who comes into your life and you're wondering how this person came into your orbit, but you're like really glad he did because he's this incredibly genuine, charismatic guy who he's absolutely going places. And when you hear his story, you can understand how far he's come from some low points in his life and some pretty significant stories he's going to share with you here and you're about to listen to. And to where he's at now, and he's interacting with people like Les Brown and Jack Canfield and Brene Brown and some others he told me even off air after we were done recording. He's just a guy who knows how to make connections, knows how to really build relationships through being genuine and being authentic. And I tell you, honestly, this guy is is truly going places. So make a note of Laban Ditchburn's name. His stories that he shares here in the conversation, they're really genuine and really powerful. And some of the things he's doing now that he's on the other side of those, not just the people he's interacting with, but some of the ultra races that he's competed in and completed are just incredible. And we talk a little bit about his book, Bet on You. It's an incredible book. This is an incredible interview. You're going to get so much out of this. If you enjoy these episodes, be sure to Subscribe on whatever platform or as many platforms as you can. If you're listening to podcasts on multiple platforms, give it a subscribe, leave it a rating and review. That's how more people find this. Share it with a friend. Let them know you love the Success Through Failure podcast. Give it a share on social media if you see it there. Otherwise, also interact with me. I love to interact with my listeners. So if you see a tweet or an Instagram post or LinkedIn or Facebook or anything, make a comment. I love to hear from you. And I look forward to interacting with you over there. All right, let's get into it. My interview with Laban Ditchburn. Laban, welcome to the show. Jim Harshaw Jr. Mate, it's my absolute honor and pleasure to be with you today. Thanks very much for having me, brother. Yeah, well, the main reason I had John is because I think all of my audience, we just like to hear the Australian accent. It's like, it's pretty cool. So, <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what, Jim? As superficial as that might sound to some people, like exploit your strengths. That's right. Take advantage of it. All right, Laban, let's get into it. You have overcome addiction right, to pretty much all of the vices, right? Alcohol, sex, gambling, drugs. I want to hear how you've got there. How do you got to that place where, where you had these addictions? Because I think most people struggle with some kind of addiction and a lot of it is unseen, whether it's food or porn, or sex, or alcohol, a lot of those addictions can go unseen. So I think a lot of people can relate to this. So talk to us a little bit about your journey and how you got there. I'm a child of divorce, Jim, three and a half, nothing more innocuous than that. And when I share this part of my story, I, I don't want people to compare their experience to mine. As you know, comparison is the thief of joy. And I know plenty of other people that have endured way, way more worse stuff than me. And I use that in inverted commas for people that are listening because it doesn't matter what happens to you. It's how it sort of impacts you. And as a porn 
in the divorce proceedings and it was foster homes and, you know, a lot of anger and aggression from mum and dad. And that really negatively impacted me growing up and I used escapism as the way to, to cope. And when I was young, it was computer games and movies and TVs and stuff. And then as I got older, it became alcohol, drugs, gambling, sex, pretty much everything you could lay your hands on. And it got to a point when in 2015, when I was 35 years of age, that I was at home. This is in Melbourne, Australia, and I was had my laptop prized open. And I was gambling on a horse race in Hong Kong with money that I'd borrowed to pay the bills. And I wasn't even watching it on TV. I was just F5ing and refreshing the page just to see whether I'd won, right? Like real, for gamblers out there, it's real degenerate behavior. And I had this fleeting moment where I, I realized that the direction that my life was heading was not what I imagined when I was a kid. And as I had that thought, Jim, in the bottom left-hand corner of the screen was this phone number. And I'd never seen this phone number. I'd been on this website countless times before. And instinctively, I picked up the phone and I called this number. It was about midnight. I had about three bottles of red wine coursing its way through my veins, smashing into my liver. And this woman picked up from the Gambler's Helpline. Now, Jim, I'll never know her last name, but her first name was Mary, and I'm going to call her Mary Magdalene because whether she realized it or not, she was my guardian angel. And she asked me why I was calling, and for the first time in my life, I was listened to without judgment. And I just verbally diarrheaed what was going on in my life to this poor woman, and it got to the point where she probably almost broke with the amount of burden that I was putting on her, and then I stopped, and then she shared with something with me that, that terrified me. And she was talking about the incredibly higher rates of suicide that problem gamblers experience, way higher than drinking and drugs and some of the other vices. And I'd never even thought about the level of gambling that I was doing at that point. The interesting thing was, Jim, is I had a job. I was high functioning. My boss liked me. I had a circle of friends. I used to post happy birthday on Facebook, but I was deeply, deeply badly affected by what I was going through. And she put me in touch with the Gamblers Helpline and I got access for free to a year and a half of free gambling psychology. And this woman, Lee, I would meet every week for the first 12 months and then every two weeks for the six months after that. And in that first session, Jim, she asked me a question about the relationship I had with my mother and I just broke down and wept. And my mum and I at that point had a really dysfunctional relationship. And from that day forward, it started this healing journey where I started to recapture my gifts and take the adversity that I had experienced and use it as my new fuel source and superpower. I came to forgive mum and dad for what they did to me and realize that they were doing the best they could with the tools they had available. And I actually inherited some really incredible gifts from both of them. And that journey, that sort of started in March of 2015. By the end of that year, I'd given up gambling and I haven't touched any of this stuff since. August 26th, the next year was when I had my last drink. So I'll be sober seven years in August, you know, and longer for the drugs. And, and as I started to heal and take ownership for what I'd endured, my mental health massively improved. I started to pay attention to an autoimmune disease that I had, which I put into full remission. And so in addition to the knocking the addiction on the head without a 12-step program as well, and if you need to use one, you need to use one, but I didn't need to because I was able to reverse engineer what I had endured and gone through and use it as my new fuel source. 
And as my body started to heal, I ended up losing 60 pounds of body fat. I stacked on 30 pounds of muscle. And then inexplicably in 2008, after never having been a runner, after a, a healing experience with my mother, I started running gym. And I went from running three miles in May 2018 to completing my first marathon two weeks later at a 3.56 time. Eight weeks after that, I ran a 30 mile. And then another eight weeks after that, I completed the first of what has been three 60 mile ultra marathon trail runs and completely transformed my life in the process. In that journey in 2018, three days before I ran my first 60 miler, I come out of my office when I was working in recruitment there in Melbourne. And from about 70 yards away, I spied this angel of a woman. And what I can only describe happened next is I was struck by a bolt of lightning, picked up by a force far greater than me, and levitated towards this woman and plonked down in front of her. And with the confidence of a thousand Spartan warriors, I said, excuse me, but you are stunning. And I wondered if you'd have a drink with me one time. And my wife and I have been together for five years in September of this year. That's amazing. What a great story. So for the listener who doesn't want to have to hit that low, low point that you hit and feels themselves maybe spiraling or maybe just plateaued and stuck, you know, you had this turning point moment, but what advice do you have for others who are struggling with their own demons? Yeah, Jim, it's a really, really important question. It comes up a lot for me, right? And I'm only going to share my own personal experiences. I'll never give advice for anything that I haven't gone through. And if I am sharing an idea, I'll be very clear to make sure that I, I indicate that I haven't gone through that experience. For me, I was at a level of pain, emotionally, spiritually, even physically, I suppose, where the prospect of stopping what I was doing and trying something else was way better than continuing on the path that I was on. So the question that I would ask people to ask themselves is, what's my limit of pain that I'm willing to tolerate? Because until you're at a point where the pain exceeds the, the future, you're not going to do anything about it. And, you know, treat yourself like someone you really care about. Like if you're not ready, you know, you've got to, you've got to allow that time and maybe need to fall down the stairs a little bit more. And that might sound a bit harsh to people, but think about when you're in the most amount of pain, if you've got a root canal that needs happening, you'll find the money to get the dental examination, right? Like even if you've got to sell a kidney, that's my encouragement. It's like find that point where you're like, you know what, I had enough of this. And the people that have gone through the most amount of pain end up being the most successful in their healing journey, in my personal experience. Quick interruption. Hey, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to get the notes, quotes, and links in the action plan from this episode. Just go to jimharshawjr.com slash action. That's jimharshawjr.com slash action to get your free copy of the action plan. Now back to the show. You know, it's interesting. Whenever I have my first, very first initial free clarity call with prospective clients for our coaching program, we really peel back the onion and we help people for the first time ever have this moment of clarity of like, okay, this is really where I'm at. And sometimes it's a deep, dark, low place, not usually, but a lot of times it's just this, I'm stuck and I didn't realize I was stuck. I'm going through the motions. I'm not as happy as I know I can be. I know I have more potential. I know I can level up, 
and we help them have this clarity moment. Like before you hit rock bottom, and, and whatever rock bottom might be, right? It, it may be a deep, dark place. It may be just some some deeply unsatisfying place. But when you help people have that moment, have that clarity, you can start from there. There's a moment there where you can go, aha, okay, this is truly where I'm at. I've been covering it up with being busy and returning emails and climbing the corporate ladder or whatever the case might be. But if you get that clarity, that moment of clarity, then you can have an epiphany and then you can really start building from there. And that's what happened to you. Well, I just had a thought. It's something I've never thought of before until you evoked it out of me, Jim. You know that famous saying, success leaves clues. I would say failure leaves clues as well because, I mean, there's plenty of the backstory to go, but there was plenty of times and examples in my life, most of which are in my book, incidentally, where things could have gone one way or the other and thank God that they didn't because I'd be dead or in jail. But it's like back with the benefit of retrospect, I was going to reach rock bottom at some point. So maybe the advice is to try and expedite that rock bottom for people so you can hurry up and do something about it maybe. I don't know. Yeah. And, and it's an amazing success through failure story that you have, Laban. I appreciate you sharing that. One of the things that you mentioned kind of coming out the other side of this is you got into doing marathons and ultra marathons. Uh, I personally find a lot of meaning in crucible experiences. I, I had a crucible experience as a college wrestler. Uh, I still enjoy painful, hard workouts, marathons, half marathons, Spartan races, did the Memorial Day Murph workout with the full 20 pounds. Wow. That, that's awesome, dude. That's amazing. Yeah. Painful. Luckily, the Murph is, is only a little bit over half an hour. But uh, still, but man, it's uh, it's painful. But I find a lot of value in pushing myself. What value do you find in pushing yourself to the limits? Well, it takes me back to the first sixty mile that I did, Jim. Because it, if you, you're hearing the first part, like it was a rapid uptake of distance, and I actually got really badly injured on that ultra at the halfway mark at the fifty kilometer or the thirty mile or whatever. I did my iliotibial band, my IT band. And for anyone that's injured that before, yeah, right here, it is the most excruciating pain, right? You know what I'm talking about, Jim? Sure is. Now, the the run was a trail run, so it was about 18 miles was on the sand. It was about 4,000 feet of undulation, and and so it wasn't just a flat surface. And I did the first half in about seven hours. It ended up taking me 18 hours and 55 minutes and 47 seconds to complete the thing. Because I, I had to limp for the last 50 kilometers or 30 miles. And my Garmin actually registered, Jim, you're going you're to laugh, 130,000 steps for the day, right? See if anyone on the show previously can beat that. And it's because I was shuffling like the Hunchback of Notre Dame, right? But what happens, and I, had, I ran with an amazing friend of mine, Sam, who just stayed with me the entire time. And it was bitterly cold. It was, it was below zero and Celsius was like below 31 Fahrenheit. And I didn't know anything about electrolytes, so my body couldn't generate any heat. We finished about 3 a.m. And when I finished that, Jim, I broke through this glass ceiling in my mind of what I then thought was possible. And the encouragement for anyone in terms of putting themselves in a physical situation like this, that the impact, the flow and effect of being able to overcome that adversity has bled into every other aspect of my life. And it's allowed me to take on challenges that I wouldn't have even dreamed about. So what you're doing, and because your background is so super duper inspiring, right? But 
for people that maybe who are a bit more like my background, who are mediocre at lots of things, if you can find something that you can overcome like that, it will shift literally every other cell in your being and, and allow you to, to lean into this place of absolute magnificence. And that's my recommendation for anyone that's listening to this. Yeah, and I want to continue on that because you had to sign up for the thing. You had to choose to do the 50K because if you don't, you don't have this breakthrough. You don't have this epiphany and there was a chance of failure there. There was a risk at doing this. And for the listener, you can't have that breakthrough unless you commit to something. Like commit to the hard thing, like sign up for it. Maybe it's giving a talk at your next company outing or you know, having that hard conversation with the person who's close to you, signing up for the race, the, the ultra or whatever, whatever the case might be for you, starting the side hustle. You can't have the breakthrough if you don't make the commitment. And it, it's scary. I get it. It's scary. It's hard. There's doubt. There's fear. But once you have it, once you have that experience, once you're on the other side of it, you're a new person. You're a different person. And sometimes you know you're a different person. You have this like, oh my goodness, like I'm a superhuman now. But other times it's just an unconscious rewiring that happens where you just understand that you have a new potential inside of you. And I'm going to break this down in a probably too much information way for you because this has been going through my head a lot. And I'm sorry, Laban, this is a quick, quick aside. Uh, next, I do want to get back. I want to talk about your book next. But you know, as a wrestler, you know, I had to lose a lot of weight. There's all kind of dramatic weight loss stories in the sport of wrestling. You have to make weight and, and it's terrible. And the sport is so much better and healthier and cleaner nowadays because of new weigh-in rules, et cetera. But back in my day, you could do just terrible things to your body, step on the scale, make weight, and then compete the next day. And you tell people these stories and they go, oh, I couldn't do that. I couldn't you know, go 24 hours without eating or I couldn't do this, this kind of weight loss. And then I recently had a colonoscopy, all right? So for anybody who's had that done before, you have to go, you know, for me, it was like 36 hours without food. And it was very easy for me to do it because I've been through the wrestling stuff before and you can stay hydrated while you're, you're getting prepping for the colonoscopy. But everybody has to now do this. Well, when, when you have to do it, you do it. Like when there's a have to, then you can do these things that you previously thought were undoable. But we have so much more capacity, so much more potential when you have to do something. So whatever that thing is that is scary for you, like sign up for it, commit to it, make the commitment. And when you have to do it, you'll be surprised at what you're capable of. Well, Jim, if you'd allow me to share something just to, to bolster what you're saying there, because fasting, water fasting and dry fasting is something that I'm very, very au fait with. And in particular, my wife, Anna, who's from Russia originally, the reason and the why component that we've been deep diving into these extended dry fasting. And to give you an idea, my wife in January of 2023 did a 95-hour hard dry fast. Wow. A dry fast meaning no liquid? Nil by mouth. And hard dry fast means no water contact. So no shower, no nothing. The reason she did that is because Anna and I collectively have had 18 consecutive miscarriages as the result of systemic childhood sexual abuse she encountered from her, her stepfather in Russia, which resulted in two pregnancies and two illegal underground abortions 
one of which damaged her uterine wall, right? Now, I want to make a really quick um, point here. I'm not sharing this for sympathy, but I'm sharing this to help people because if you meet my wife, Anna, she is the most incredible human being. She's got her own podcast called Happy on the Inside. She's healed or healing from this, right? But the dry fast, she had a three millimeter lining on the uterine wall. The before and after scan, Jim, it was 14 millimeters after her 95-hour dry fast. And the wow. reason being, for those who, who aren't aware of this, dry fasting has been practiced for a very long time, but it's not available to the mainstream because it's like, it's free, right? It generates untold amounts of human growth hormones, stem cells, and it eats up a lot of the folded and damaged proteins. And it's a really powerful repair mechanism. And in Chernobyl, Jim, they use dry fasting to help with radiation poisoning, would you believe? Wow. So I really, really resonate with what you're saying. And I'm sorry you had a colonoscopy. Like my father would say, I don't know what a colonoscopy is, but whatever it is, you can stick it up your ass. <laughs> so um, forgive the profanity. It's my father's words, not mine. <laughs> and so that's just an example of 95 hours, Jim, of no food wow. and no water, yeah. which is actually easier than doing a water fast, just as a side note. Wow. All right. Well, that's a whole other conversation. I know everybody's Googling dry fasting right now, all the listeners. So uh, I'm interested. Sergey Filinov wrote a book, which has been translated into English on Amazon. Um, powerful, powerful book. All right. We'll have a link to that book in the action plan. So listeners can grab the link to that if you want to check it out. So speaking of books, your book, Bet on You, it's titled Bet on You. It has been described as raw. It's been described as real. What was the most difficult part of writing your story for the world to read, putting it all out there? I'd love to share how the book came to existence, Jim, if that's okay, because I, I think it helps give really great context to what you're asking. And it started in, in May, mid-May 2020. I was able to bring Les Brown onto my podcast. Now, for those who don't know Les Brown, like you said about Jack Canfield, you've been living under a rock, but go on YouTube him after this. I had 10 subscribers at this time. We were in lockdown in the strictest lockdowns of anywhere in the world at that time in Melbourne, Australia. And he came on and I asked him a question at the beginning of the interview. We weren't even interviewing at this point, at the beginning of the recording rather. And I said, hey, Les, what do you think of the name of the show, Become Your Own Superhero? Now, for anyone that's heard Les speak, like the way he communicates is just like divine from God, right? And he was so endearing the way he responded, Jim, that I was just so moved by it that I just verbally diarrheaed my story of transformation to him. And, and it went for about seven minutes and he just listened with the patience of a saint and it was a powerful listener. And there's a great quote from Steve Artisan that says, the power is in the listener. He did that for me and he just let me finish. And he goes, congratulations, Laban. I said, thanks, Les. He goes, do you have a book? And I go, no. He goes, if you're going to be a speaker, Laban, you need a book to help with your credibility. And I was like, right, okay. Now, I never finished high school, Jim. I never went to college, never written anything of any significance. He said to me, who was the most influential person in your life when you were five years of age? A question I'd never even thought of or even been asked before. And I was like, thought about it for a minute. I was like, oh man, despite her many flaws, it'd be my mum. He goes, well, what attributes did you get from your mum? And I said, man, she was spiritual and unconditionally loving and tenacious. And he's writing all the stuff down, Jim. He looks up at me, cocks his head to one side. And he says, Laban, this is a God moment. 
He said, I'm going to show you how to monetize your passion. For the next 10 minutes, he reads back to me the blueprint for this book that he wants me to write called Bet On You because of the gambling. He said, Laban, you're going to write this book. You're going to turn this book into a keynote speech. You're going to turn that keynote into a three-day retreat. And even if you totally muck this up, you'll make multiple six figures in the next 12 months. I'm sitting there completely dumbstruck. He goes, and I'm going to interview you on my social media platform with 4 million followers. And Laban, I'm going to write the foreword for your book. 72 hours earlier, this guy had been my hero for years. And now he's offering me this gift. And in a moment of complete another utter insanity, Jim, I said, Les, if you're going to write the foreword to my book, I'll have it to you by June 30, which is six weeks away. And in the next six weeks, I wrote the first draft, delivered 30,000 words of bet on you to Les's inbox and completely changed my, my life in the process. And then to, to answer your question about the most difficult part, the most difficult part was the memories that flooded back as I was writing. One of the most cathartic experiences ever that can also be a little bit triggering for shit that you've forgotten. And it wasn't really a bad thing ever. It was a blessing because it allowed me to heal from a lot of the stuff that I had repressed. And it's a very common coping mechanism for people that have gone through any kind of trauma. So it allowed me to move on from some things, forgive some people and move forward with life. And, and I'm super proud of it. You know, it's the greatest thing that I've ever done in terms of my own legacy, you know, which I want to witness in this lifetime, but there you go. Yeah. Incredible. Incredible story. How did it come about to get a chance to meet Les Brown? So, you know, success through failure is, which is why I love this, this podcast so much, Jim. In 2018, a few months after Anna and I had met, we got pregnant basically the first time we consummated the relationship. And that first pregnancy was an ectopic pregnancy that nearly killed her, right? She hemorrhaged internally and it means the fallopian tube ruptures and it's, it's not good. And the way that my two co-CEOs treated me, it was a really boutique, small company. You know, they were supposed to be inclusive and, you know, all this other stuff. And they treated me like a pariah with the time I needed to go and look after my, my now wife, Right. So I was like, I'm, I'm going out my own. And I used to work in recruitment. So 2019, I went out my own. And 2019, Jim, was a total unmitigated financial disaster. And I used that term for effect only because it was the greatest blessing in disguise. And out of necessity, I started having to cold call CEOs. In the work that I used to do, CIO was the, the peak level that I would really deal with. But I had to call CEOs to try and elicit faster outcomes. And I would have these, these conversations with people that ended up being quite okay. So I developed this self-confidence and this ability to connect with people at a much higher level. And on January 2nd, 2020, before I had the book, before I had the podcast, before I had any platform really at all, I got hold of Brene Brown. I got her phone number for some software used on LinkedIn called Lusha.com, L-U-S-H-A.com. It's a plugin that goes over Chrome. It's legal. It's a legal software. Got her phone number and she picked up the phone. So it's January 1st, her time. And she picks up that Southern draw. Hi, this is Brene speaking. I said, Brene Brown, it's Laban Ditchburn from Melbourne, Australia. Yeah? She's obviously shocked at how someone's got her phone number. And she's, oh, hi, Laban, how can I help? I said, Brene, I've been instructed by my mentors that I need to surround myself with people that are much further along than I. 
And I wondered if you'd be interested in sharing some ideas, right? Because I didn't know what I was doing. And that was the only thing I could think of. And she said, Laban, I'm about to sit down and have New Year's Day dinner with my family. But if you'd send me an email with what you had in mind, I'll, I'll come back to you. So I wrote this email of my bio and recorded this one minute video that I'll never show to anyone, maybe after I'm dead, because it was yeah, <laughs> cringeworthy of time to the power of 10. But she replied back a few days later. She said, Laban, thank you for your email. With what I have committed with university and family right now, I cannot give this attention that it deserves. You will do fantastically. And, and in that moment, Jim, she gifted me, right? Whether you like Brene or not, she gifted me with this confidence to keep doing that. And so I took that into the phone call with Les and got him on the phone. And I used the same language, Les Brown. It's Laban Ditchburn from Melbourne, Australia here. Oh, hi, Laban. How can I help? I said, Les, I'm a huge fan of you and your work. And I'm also the host of an amazing podcast series called Become Your Own Superhero. And I'd be honored if you came and shared your amazing story with our audience. When are you available? You know, the close. And at the time, I had 10 subscribers, Jim. So had he asked me how many subscribers I had, I, I'm always honest, but he didn't. So I didn't. And the beautiful flow on effect of this, Jim, is that I've been able to connect less with a number of health professionals, like world-class health professionals that have helped him in his journey with prostate cancer, speaking of colonoscopies. So, and we, we had dinner at his home last year in Atlanta, my wife and I, it was incredible. So this is the magic that can happen when you, when you take bold, massive and courageous action, you know. Taking the bold move. That's the lesson there for the listeners. Like, take the bold move. What's the next step? What's the scary move that, you know, what's the worst that could happen? You, Brene Brown didn't pick up the phone. You left a voicemail or she hung up on you. I mean, what's, what's the worst that can happen? But you, you've made that bold move. You took those moves and, and, and it's creating amazing things in your life. Laban, any habits that you, you do regularly that you've done in the past that you feel have been most responsible for your success? Yeah, and you and I have interviewed a couple of the same people, one of which, which I reckon might be a, not a crowning achievement, might be, but having Jack Canfield on your podcast, well, I know is a big deal. You've been trying to get him on for years, and I really, really enjoyed re-listening or listening to it for the first time and getting some dialed in manifestation and visualization stuff from him yesterday. So you need to go and check that episode out. It's, it's amazing. But when he came on, one of the, the middle parts of the interview, he was talking about a swear jar for negative self-talk. He said, at home, if anyone says anything negative, they have to put $5 in there. And I'd been working on my self-talk and self-deprecating humor which is what I used to do because I was a real validation seeker in, in the life that I used to live, you know, people pleasing. It's a codependent byproduct of kind of what I grew up with. And so now, Jim, if you and I had to hang out for seven days for 24-7, you wouldn't hear me speak poorly of myself. And even when I said 2019 was a total unmitigated financial disaster, it's very clear that I said I use that for effect only because what happens is when you eliminate negative self-talk, and I'm not talking about becoming delusional, you reframe it, right? Is that you become hyper aware of the people in your life and how they speak. And one of the keys to being successful, and Jim Rohn's quote, which you would have heard a million times before, is that we become and earn a few thousand dollars with the, of the people that we spend, five people we spend the most time with. So I've become ruthless as a result of that, that behavior at who I allow in my life. And people that speak poorly of themselves don't get an opportunity to be in there very long. Because why would I be around that energy? 
So the advice is this, get a swear jar at home and make it $10 because inflation, right? 10 bucks is going to hurt. Even if you're wealthy, people don't want to pay this money and put it in there, do it for a month and you'll develop a habit that will allow you to reframe. And you can just swap words out with like the problem I have with the challenge that I'm overcoming. And people might say, oh, shut up, Laban, you bloody woo-woo goose. Well, do it or don't do it. Trust me, the people that are much further along that are successful in health, wealth and relationships and are creating massive impact in the world all think the same thing or a good chunk of them. And it's been one of the best things I've ever done for myself, Jim. So hopefully that answers your question. That's a great response. And to add to that for the listener, if you go back and check out my episode with Dr. Nate Zinzer, he's the director of performance at West Point. He's a friend of mine. He talks about the difference between positive thinking. We talk about, you know, people don't like the the positive thinking that kind of has this stigma these days of toxic positivity and, well, how can you be positive in the face of certain things? Well, there's a difference between, he, he talks about the difference between positive thinking and productive thoughts. Productive, like think of them as not just positive, not just sort of daydreaming or making stuff up and lying to yourself, but actually having productive thoughts, like turn those negative words into productive words. And, and it's just a, a good way to think about what Laban's talking about here. So Laban, thank you so much for sharing. What is an action item for the listener? Something that they can take from this interview and apply in the next, let's say, 24 to 48 hours. Something that they can do, some kind of action item. And maybe it's one thing or maybe it's a couple of things, but what's next? What do we take from this? So I want to have a bit of fun with this, right? I'm affectionately known now as the world's best courage coach. Now, for people that might hear that, and I... Not carriage, as in horse and cart, courage. And I know the accent can throw people off a little bit. And the follow-on line is, I teach people how to take bold, massive, and courageous action so that they can facilitate their own miraculous outcomes. My encouragement to you, listener, watcher, is this. Like, we are divine beings, right? Whether you realize it or not, I believe we are infinite spiritual beings that inhabit the physical form many, many times, right? And for anyone that's read Dr. Brian Weiss, Many Lives, Many Masters, this kind of books will help explain this more. And we all have, and Evan Carmichael, I know who's a guest, said that we have Michael Jordan-level genius at something. Find what that is, right? But, but maybe by helping you find that, you can make your own world's best declaration. And the stipulations are this. It needs to be non-quantifiable and intangible. Because if I said to you, Jim, I'm the world's best wrestler, you go, Laban, that's not true, it's so-and-so. Or if I'm the world's best 100-meter sprinter, it's no Laban. Clearly, that's not you. That's Usain Bolt. But world's best courage coach, until there's an event at Mandalay Bay up the road here in Las Vegas with a competition to declare the world's best courage coach, no one can take that away from me. And I want to really clearly stipulate, and I know this will resonate with the right people and, and it'll polarize some people, and that's okay. It's a declaration that I've made to the universe, all right? And I've helped more than 100 people come up with these declarations. And what it does is when you wake up in the morning, you go, how would the world's best courage coach conduct himself? What habit it's forced me to do, Jim, is it forced me to step into this place of uncomfortableness every single day. And as you know, when you do that, you grow exponentially. And whether you have the self-belief or not, I'm telling you right now, each of you have a divine gift that the universe needs to be presented with it. The people on this planet need your Michael Jordan level genius at whatever your thing is, right? 
And the moment that you step into that and really lend into that and what people think of you is none of your spiritual business, which is a great Les Brown quote, you will never work another day in your life. I, that's my commitment to you today, Jim. You will never work another day in your life. I'm not saying it's easy, but the work becomes so incredibly rewarding and fulfilling that it's easy peasy, lemon squeezy. So a bit of a different one maybe, but that's my encouragement. Yeah, and for the listener, that's the distinction that I make between hard work and inspired action. We're talking about turning that hard work into inspired action. Laban, where can the listeners find you, follow you, learn more about you, buy your book, follow you on social media, all that good stuff? Well, there's, there's two things I'd like to make available. One is for a particular subset of people. I know you've got a very diverse audience here. One of the things we didn't really talk about a lot, we need another three or four hours to go through all this stuff, but I created a program for people that have a podcast or a YouTube channel or are seriously thinking about it that teaches them how to reach out and connect in the way that I did with Les Brown and Brene Brown and Jack Canfield and Nobel Prize winners and stuff, even if you don't have a big audience. And people can get their free training at podcastingheroes.com, which is hero spelt the correct way. I'm sure you'll be able to put that link in there. The other thing, like energetically, I'm a big quantum guy as well. I think Laban Ditchburn is the only combination of those two names on planet Earth. So whatever your favorite browser is, just punch it in there and see what comes up and see what the universe presents to you. If you want to know more, if you don't, that's okay too. Excellent. Laban, thank you for your time. Thank you, Jim. Hey, and if you're listening to this and you haven't subscribed or you haven't shared this with someone you care about or you haven't taken the time to review the show, Jim is doing incredible work, more than 400 episodes. And we have obligations as people that benefit from the incredible work that goes into the background. You have no idea how much work goes into this. So take the time to review it, share it with someone you really care about. And that's how these kind of things blow up. Next thing you know, it's going to be the Jim Harshaw Jr. podcast experience out of Boston, Texas. It's going to be the biggest podcast in the world, right. right? Preach on. Preach on, Levin. Thanks, man. <laughs> Got you, bro. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you want to apply these principles into your life, let's talk. You can see the limited spaces that are open on my calendar at jimharshawjr.com slash apply, where you can sign up for a free one-time coaching call directly with me. And don't forget to grab your action plan. Just go to jimharshawjr.com slash action. And lastly, iTunes tends to suggest podcasts with more ratings and reviews more often. You would totally make my day if you give me a rating and review. Those go a long way in helping me grow the podcast audience. Just open up your podcast app. If you have an iPhone, do a search for success through failure, select it, and then scroll the whole way to the bottom where you can leave the podcast a rating and a review. Now, I hope this isn't just another podcast episode for you. I hope you take action on what you learned here today. Good luck and thanks for listening.